بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أما بعد uh, Firstly apologies for the slight delay uh, We welcome you all to, uh, to the final lecture of tonight inshallah Rebuilding society in light of revelation We have two speakers or two sheikhs Which are not unknown to us Both full of experience and knowledge uh, Dr. Suhaib Hassan and Dr. Jafar Idris and the program is that each of them will speak for 20 minutes, inshallah, then we'll open the floor to questions and answers. Faliyatafaddal mashkuran. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wa salatu wa salamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'd. Dear brothers, sisters in Islam. First of all, I just want to throw light upon the upon the British Muslim society and how it developed in these isles. If you just read the history, you find out that the first contact of Islam to Christianity was during the Crusades. But that was not a, a very friendly contact. Anyhow, they say about one person, one of the knights from St. Alban, who returned back as a Muslim. But uh, we don't know about uh, his offspring. And uh, later, during the British Empire in the subcontinent, uh, people started coming to these isles just for, uh, just, uh, just like servants to their British masters. And we come across the name of a very uh, famous person who is, whose name is Munshi Abdul Karim. And, uh, he was very close to Queen Victoria, so close that there were so many rumors which spread around them. And uh, anyhow, there were not just one person, many, many people came. And we also read in the history that these poor people who were coming from India as servants, sometimes they are left in uh, very extreme cold weather or they might be expelled for any tiny mistake from the houses right in the middle of the night and uh, people could listen to their cries when they are thrown in, uh, in the snow outside the houses. And also, there used to be some ads in the local newspaper about uh, a certain person from, from India who came as a servant, now he has run away and uh, they say that he is of such and such color and uh, features. If anybody finds him, he should bring him back. So this was the situation in the uh, 18th century. And uh, by the end of the 19th century, we know about this mosque which was built in, in Woking, that is Shah Jahan Mosque, and the other one which was, uh, which was just a house converted into a mosque in Liverpool, and that was established in 1889 by William William Abdullah, a British Muslim solicitor who became Muslim in Morocco. And uh, after that, uh, the people who came to this country for, for just education, the people of uh, diplomatic corps, and then later in 1950s, we can say that the doors of immigration were opened and people started coming, especially from Pakistan, to this country. And those who came in 1950s, 
Now we can see their third generation uh, in this country. Because you know that in each 25 years, one generation comes. The Muslim society which we see in this country, we can divide them into uh, three sections. Those people who did not care for their religion at all. They did not care about Islam. They did not care about their own Islam or the Islam of their children. So these people, uh, they have been assimilated in the British society and uh, there may be some who have been converted into Christians from among them. The second group of those people who may have been caring about themselves as far as their Islam is concerned, but they did not care about their own children. And these are the people who are now facing a lot of difficulties as far as their daughters, their sons are concerned. And uh, there are very few people who have kept their religion and uh, who guarded their religion and they guarded their children as well. We can say that they are in a better position. But still, there is a common criticism of the West, whether they belong to the first group or to the second or to the third group. And whenever they speak about the British society, they would say, of course, all those uh, vices which are found in the society, like uh, the break up the family and uh, uh, drinking wine, uh, cheap availability of the sex, uh, free mix-up of men and women, and uh, immodesty in the dress and attire, and again, the people who belong to the groups like gays and lesbians, and uh, the freedom which is given to them to propagate their own way of life, and then the spread of drugs. And uh, we also find uh, the criticism of Islam in the British media, especially about the status of women in Islam, about hijab in Islam, and also about those people who try to practice Islam. Now these things, we admit that these things are found, and this is true of the British society, but we have to look to our own houses, to our own people. Is there no mistake on their part? Are uh, they implementing Islam as they are required to? And we, when we come to check our own selves, and that is the main important thing, as the Prophet said, Check yourself before the day you are going to be checked and questioned uh, by Allah SWT. And as far as uh, uh, the kuffar people are concerned, Allah SWT has, has told us very, very clearly, the turning of those people who have done infidelity, kufr, may not distract you, may not deceive you, because these people, they got enjoyment for a very limited time, and then after that, they have to end up into Jahannam, and it is the worst abode. So, we should not uh, be very concerned about their vices, because they got no Jannah in the hereafter. Their Jannah is this. So, if they enjoy their wine, if they enjoy other things, that is their share of the life. But we people, when we believe that uh, it is our Jannah which is waiting for us, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
is selecting is uh, is selecting the people for that jannah jannah is a very ideal place and only ideal people are good for that place so when we come to check ourselves we see that there are so many things which needed to be amended in our society and that is our duty especially those people who are uh, aware of their islam and who want to practice islam and who want to propagate islam that is their duty because other people they are not concerned about dawa at all we notice that uh, in our societies uh, uh, people are <coughs> you can say that uh, as far as the greatest the greatest duty upon them which is the prayer they they are sort of uh, implementing this duty how many people they pray five times regularly how many people they leave juma friday prayer because of just their business and we know the saying of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam man taraka thalasa juma'in tahawunan tubi'a ala qalbihi bin nifaq the person who leaves three juma consecutively his heart is stamped with hypocrisy and uh, that is happening everywhere and then you can see that a person who got a very flourishing trade and business in this country because of his high education because of his skill because of his knowledge of the worldly affair but when he it comes to the religion you find him the biggest innovator the person who does not know about the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, this is why we see that there is uh, a great crowd of uh, mashayikh those mashayikh which are known in our language as peer they are, they are always coming to this country uh, they they seldom go to to africa huh? or to the other, to the third world countries they always come to to this country why they do come to this country they are coming for you no they are coming for your pockets a person from uh, ajmer ajmer they say ajmer sharif because there is a grave of uh, one of the saints there that that person mashallah is so clever that he keeps on writing letter to every address he finds of a muslim in this country and i keep on receiving this letter for the last 20 years and he says that uh, we are going to celebrate the anniversary of khadim winuddin chishti on such and such date so please come and join us and uh, take some baraka and if you can't join no matter just just uh, send Uh, some donation and he knows that even uh, if i send 5 pounds any every person f- sends 5 pounds how much wealth he is going to to get by by receiving this these tiny amounts uh, so this trade is, is flourishing if you open the famous daily urdu newspaper it got an english section as well jang nowadays at least there are eight or nine advertisement every day about those people who are known in in our language as amil and what is the duty of this amil if you got any worry come to me i am going to solve these worries huh? if uh, uh, you you, know, you have any dispute with someone if you are unsuccessful in your uh, in your affairs i am going to solve it so one of them is advertising on the front page and i know that uh, how much it is going to cost on the front page and uh, still this ad is coming for for the last uh, 12 months so i think that uh, this person got a uh, lot of worries because of money he, he wants more and more money this is why he is advertising 
So the person who can't solve his own worries, how is going to solve your worries? And recently in my visit to, to America, Houston, they got uh, this Pakistan News, Times, and I saw two advertisements for the same person and another person in America. There was no American advertisement at all, no Amil at all in America. This person discovered, I think by chance he has discovered that American market is empty. Nobody is there. So he flooded it with his advertisement. Sitting here, brothers and sisters, I am very sincere to you. I can solve your problems. Astaghfirullah. He was uh, not enough, uh, do, uh, pounds were not enough for him, so he needs some dollars as well. So you can see that, and even some of them they are saying, uh, we can guide you to pick uh, the right number of the lottery, the lottery numbers. All right, why don't you pick yourself? Uh, uh, you can get a million a night. Why you are, uh, why you are telling other people these numbers? Astaghfirullah. And then there was an ad which says, they can't translate, this word is so peculiar with Urdu language, you can't translate it. They say we have to celebrate Gyarmi. What is Gyarmi? Huh? Gyarmi means uh, the celebrations of the 11th. And not the 11th hour, but it is 11th day of uh, uh, lunar calendar. Each month they celebrate the anniversary of uh, Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani. Now, uh, again, I have mentioned it in my previous lecture, they asked Sheikh Abdul Qadir Dilani to help them. You know, two years ago, three years ago, Americans have bombed Iraq. Sheikh Abdul Qadir Dilani did not care about that at all. He did not help the people of Iraq. You know, you people living in England, you think he is going to help you? Huh? He did not help the people in Baghdad. So it means the one who can help, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not, uh, not any saint. And when you come to the issues of, uh, of marriage and divorce, uh, because uh, I am involved in these matters uh, because of Islamic Sharia Council, uh, I know that how our, our elders are ignorant of the teaching of Islam, forcing their daughters to marriages, marriages to their cousins in India and Pakistan, that is very common. Uh, they, they take, any one of them would take uh, his daughter to Pakistan to say, all right, enjoy your holidays. Poor lady thinks that she is going to enjoy Murray and Ayubia uh, uh, and other places. Next day she has to, to marry her cousin. And if she does not marry, her passport is taken, she can't come back to this, uh, to, to this land of honey and pound. So she has to accept. She has to accept this marriage. But she is very clever as well, our, our ladies who are educated in England. So as soon as they come back, uh, set their step on British soil, first thing they do, they ask for divorce. They apply to Islamic Sharia Council that we want divorce. So this is how the percentage of divorce is very high in the Muslim society as well. So the same problem which is facing the English society, in English society they say that in each five divorces, in each five marriages, three ends up with, with divorce. And uh, I don't uh, think that the percentage in the Muslims in this country is less than that. Now again, uh, we see among the reasons of asking divorce on the part of the man, very famous, very famous reason, womanizing. The person is womanizing. All right. Uh, that is an English term. Uh, and on the, sometime it, it is uh, vice versa. That man wants to divorce. Why? Because the woman is not loyal to him. Living, by living here, they have just... Uh, forgot about the Islamic teachings of khalwa, 
a woman, uh, is, uh, a man is not going to sit in privacy with a woman who is not related to him. And uh, this type of uh, teachings are totally, uh, I, it seems to me, totally unknown to our, to our uh, young men and women. What is the job of the private secretaries? Is there no khalwa at all, no privacy at all with the boss? Of course. And uh, then we see that there would be people who would stop their women to do hijab, let alone niqab, let alone niqab. And I remember here the case of uh, a woman, uh, Umm Khallad, who came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam with her niqab upon her face, and she lost her son in a battle. And she came to ask about him. Someone said to her that you got such a great affliction, such a great musibah that your son is lost. And still you care for your niqab? So what was the answer of this woman? She said, فَقَدْتُ ibni وَلَمْ أَفْقَدْ hayai." I have lost my son, not my haya, my modesty. That was uh, the case of uh, the, Muslim, uh, the Muslim women in the most brightest age of Islam. And later, uh, again, when you go to any marriage celebration, you will find uh, our women, especially our women, as if they have come to a fashion show. And this fashion show, astaghfirullah, is repeated on Eid day as well, when they come for the prayer in, uh, in places like Islamic Culture Center. And you see the photographs uh, in junk paper the next day. You will see how these, these women are coming for prayer, but they have turned this prayer into a fashion show. Those restaurants and uh, restaurants and uh, uh, coffee places and hotels which are owned by the Muslims and they sell alcohol into it. And they very proudly say that we just sell it. We don't drink it. So they think that uh, only drinking is prohibited, selling is allowed. That is something you know, which is very common. And uh, now we can say the, the involvement of riba and usury, especially when you want to buy a house, uh, the trade among our people. Take the, the hundred millionaires in this country. There is al always a book which says uh, who is who in this country. And there are who is who about the, uh, the businessmen. You see their list, you will find many Muslims in that list. There is one beauty of this book that every millionaire, he will try to be uh, next year uh, in, in a number upper than the number in which he is uh, here now, because everyone wants more millions, so this is why you want to become a greater millionaire. How they become millionaires? Just look at their trade and business. What is the part of the haram business into it? Uh, I, I wanted to speak about... Uh, those uh, our uh, young people, young men, who were involved in uh, Bradford riots and in Nelson, Burnley, other places, that why these people, they have involved themselves in such riots? For what reasons? When they were uh, devastating their own properties? When they have set a very bad examples for uh, the host community? The host community, which never liked the National Front, but by these actions of our own youngster, they think that this is a danger. This is a danger which is living in our, uh, in our country. So they have developed this sense of hatred in the minds of the host community. 
we have to think about it. And this is the duty of the elders, to tell them what is good and what is wrong. What about uh, the drugs? Drugs, they are also used by the Muslim youth. And uh, if you happen to visit any prison, inshallah, mashallah, you will find uh, our people there as well. There is no place where our people are not there, uh, except, for, except for moon. They say moon is still empty. Uh. Anyhow, if our people find a way to the moon, they will go there, inshallah. <laughs> my brothers, uh, what was my motive to say all these things? That these are the vices which are found in our community. And we should look at them. We should try to correct ourselves as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to change the condition of a people until they change themselves. You know that. So, uh, that is, uh, in short, is, is my message. And uh, I don't want to exceed, and I have already exceeded the limit uh, of the time given to me. So, thanks for listening. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi I would like to speak, uh, to say a few words about uh, a more specialized kind of society. Society like this one. Uh, there, these uh, kinds of organizations are, uh, are a new phenomenon in the Muslim world. There were no organizations like these uh, in earlier times, as far as my knowledge goes. So now we have uh, political organizations, we have organizations for da'wah only, and, and, and so on. And uh, there are many questions surrounding these kinds of organizations. I will try to deal with um, two or at most three of them here. Uh, the first question is, and that some people say you cannot have an organization like this. Because, and the main argument is that you will be dividing the ummah. You are becoming partisan. And this ummah is supposed to be united, so please don't divide this ummah. Now, what is the reply to this? Of course, you can divide only that which is united. Hmm? You can't divide something which is already divided. So, when is the Ummah united? Now, according to <coughs> uh, uh, the, the, the Islam, the Islamic Ummah is united only when people give allegiance to a ruler uh, who uh, promises to rule them, who promises to abide by the Quran and the Sunnah. In this case, they will be united. And that is why when uh, <coughs> Al-Hasan ibn Ali radiallahu an, as uh, Sheikh Ali told you yesterday, when um, he reconciled with Muawiyah and acknowledged him as the Khalifa, that year was called the year of the Jama'ah. And Jama'ah here means uh, unity, uh, the opposite of Furqa, Furqa division. So that, uh, so, so, so if the Muslims are in this kind of situation, they are united. Now, but even in, uh, in, in this kind of situation, you can have two kinds of organizations. Uh, if you do what the Khawarij did, you uh, set uh, your people apart, 
and give allegiance to your leader, the kind of allegiance that should be given to the, to the legitimate uh, ruler. You give that to your, to, to your ruler, uh, to your leader. Then in this case, you will be dividing the ummah. And this kind, uh, these kinds of organizations are not tolerated uh, under any system, whether it is Islamic or not Islamic. Even in the most uh, democratic of countries, <laughs> uh, they will not tolerate uh, uh, organizations like these. I mean, in Britain, you can't make your own parliament and give it all the pa parliamentary powers, and, and you have your own um, uh, prime minister, and perhaps even your own queen. I mean, you can't do this. Uh, because in this case, you will be dividing society. But what if I, uh, I make an, uh, a, you know, a society or, or organization for a special purpose? And, 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 and I give allegiance to the leader on condition that he gives allegiance to the uh, legitimate ruler. In this case, I will not be dividing the ummah. And we have cases like this. And, uh, for example, if you are traveling, you appoint someone as your leader, Amir, because the Prophet ﷺ said, even if, even if three of you are traveling, then appoint, you appoint one of you as leader. You see, because uh, to serve uh, any purpose, uh, people must be organized. And to be organized, they must have a leader. And they must give obedience, some kind of obedience to that, uh, to, to that leader. Uh, you remember the case of the, of the Sahabi, whom the Prophet ﷺ appointed as the leader of a group of Muslims and told them to uh, obey him. Um, uh, for some reason, he got angry. <laughs> and he told them, uh, didn't the Prophet uh, ask you to obey me? They said, yes. So he asked them to kindle a fire. They made the fire said, enter that fire. They hesitated, of course. Then someone said, we followed the Prophet ﷺ to avoid hellfire. And now you want us to get into hellfire, to, 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 to fire. And after some time, he calmed down, and the fire died. Then they told the Prophet about this, and ﷺ, and he said, لو دخلوها ما خرجوا منها. If you entered it, you would not have come out of it. Uh, this is the beauty of, of, of Islam, that we don't obey human beings in their wings. We obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we obey someone, we obey them only on condition that they obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is one uh, situation. Uh, what about a situation in which uh, the Muslims are not ruled by uh, uh, Khalifa or someone uh, um, to whom allegiance um, uh, is given uh, on condition of, uh, of uh, abiding by the Quran and the Sunnah. What if uh, the system is secular but democratic? And the system allows people to form organizations, political parties, and so on. And you find this was the case some time ago in the Muslim world. <laughs> And um, I, um, I witnessed that. Uh, so there were um, communist parties, nationalist parties, and so on. Then you form an Islamic organization. Someone comes and says, you are dividing the ummah. What is this ummah that I am dividing? 
They are already divided. There are communists, there are nationalists, Basists, and so on. I am in fact trying to unite as many of them as I can. And uh, this is the only way of changing the situation. So in this case, I think the formation of uh, political parties or Islamic organizations becomes something obligatory, not only permissible. Now, what if it is secular but dictatorial? What do you do? You don't write a nice letter to the dictator and say, please uh, allow us as Muslims to form uh, Islamic organization to, f- to, to overthrow you. I mean, so you have to seek um, other ways. One of them is to have secret organizations. Uh, if, if that is the only way uh, open to you to change uh, the, 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 the non-Islamic system. The third situation is a situation like that in which you find yourselves now. A situation where the Muslims are minority in non-Islamic society. What do they do? The ideal thing for them is to be all of them united under one Islamic leadership. If they do that, they will have tremendous effect on this society, politically, economically, whatever. But unfortunately, Muslims are not united like this. Uh, So what do we do? We have to form organizations uh, and uh, and try to ask people to join these organizations, and we try as much as we can to make them as as Islamic as uh, as possible. So uh, to say that um, every kind of organizations under any circumstances is a cause of division of the ummah is wrong. We have to, uh, to, 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 to find, uh, we have to look into the kind of situation in which uh, the organization is made. Uh, the second question is about uh, leadership, about leadership, or governing bodies of uh, Islamic uh, organizations. What do we do? How do we um, elect our leaders? The popular view now is, of course, the, uh, uh, the democratic view. One vote for one person. Uh, I have learned from experience and from some you know, um, Islamic knowledge that this is not at all the best way of choosing Muslim leaders. Uh, this kind, uh, this system of elections, uh, I think, is very appropriate uh, uh, within democratic philosophy. Because in the democratic philosophy, it is the people who legislate. So there is no reason uh, of, of, of uh, giving some people more rights than others. Because if the people legislate, and I am one of the people, so I must gi- be given right, uh, equal rights as everyone else. And uh, the ideal democratic, in fact, uh, uh, situation would be one in which uh, people vote and on every issue. They don't have uh, a parliament on anything, what they call direct democracy. In fact, it should be even more direct than uh, Greek direct democracy. But this is not uh, practicable. Uh, but in Islam, 
It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who legislates. We only try to follow divine legislation. So our purpose in this case would be uh, to find people who know this uh, divine legislation, who are abiding by it in their uh, uh, lives, who have the uh, uh, have leadership capabilities, and it is this kind of people that we choose. By uh, I don't think, and I, um, I can tell you from experience again, and I, I, and I don't think that one vote for one person would uh, always bring people like this. So what do we do? I think we have uh, to choose them in a more indirect way. If we can have uh, things like constituencies or so, and from each constituency, uh, people choose the best among themselves. And these people, chosen people, come and form uh, what was called the, in the early days of Islam, Ahlul Hal Wal Aqd. These will be the responsible people. And uh, you ask these people to, for, to elect or to choose the best person uh, for, 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 for this uh, leadership. And I don't think uh, that it is, um, it is advisable also uh, to fix some terms for him. Just elect him. But make it easy for those people uh, to, to, to remove him um, if he loses some of the conditions on which he was uh, elected. Uh, this will uh, result in continuity of the uh, of organization. The leader will be very much um, known and he can deal with, um, uh, with, uh, with people within the organization or outside the, uh, the organization. And so I think that uh, this is the best way of uh, choosing leaders. And in fact, this was the way in which the best of our rulers were chosen. The, the, the four khulafa, of course, um, you know how Abu Bakr was chosen. And then uh, Umar elected, I mean, um, uh, suggested three, uh, six names. And the, some uh, of the brothers who uh, want to advocate a democratic system, uh, they say Abdurrahman ibn Auf uh, went around and took uh, the, uh, the votes of everyone in Medina, both men and women. This is true. But remember, this was only in Medina. Uh, people outside Medina and the Bedouins and so on did not take part in the election. These were, uh, this was the special uh, society uh, which knew the Sunnah of the Prophet and the people there knew who were the best uh, among them. I sometimes say, half jokingly to the brothers in the Sudan, do you think that those Bedouins who um, refused to pay zakah would have voted for Abu Bakr? I don't think. They would have said, show us your economic program. If it includes zakah, we will not vote for you. But uh, Abu Bakr even fought them, and he, uh, he did not care even what Omar or uh, uh, anyone else said. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, ordered, and I, I, I am going to fight them until they pay uh, zakat.
Then Abu Bakr uh, <coughs> suggested Umar. And again, I think that Umar would not have been uh, elected by the popular vote all over the country. Uh, so it is better for the, uh, for the Muslims uh, not, not to imitate uh, whatever is uh, prevailing in the, in, the, in, 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 in the country. Now, uh, the third point is uh, what should be uh, your relationship with people who are not members of your organization or uh, people who belong to other organizations. Sometimes also, even very good people make the mistake of, uh, <clears throat> of, of, of thinking or of believing that uh, whoever is in their organization is a good Muslim, and whoever is outside the organization, if not a bad Muslim, is at least less yani, than the Muslims, the, the people who are in the organization. This is, uh, uh, this is not Islamic at all. We should judge people not by their belonging to this organization or to that organization, but by, by the objective um, Islamic criteria. Uh, what, uh, what is their level of knowledge? What is their level of adherence to uh, the teachings of, uh, of, uh, of Islam? We should not be uh, partisan. This is something very difficult for a person to do. But, and, but we must train ourselves to do. And our leaders should uh, train us to do this. You see, this is a human weakness. In, in, even if some people now decided to form an organization and of uh, people who wear, say, um, uh, blue and white T-shirts. Nothing in common except this. T-shirts, blue, white. I am sure that after some time, there will grow an ideology around this. Some people you see the blue is so and so and so, the white is so and so. You see, look at the sky, you find blue and the, 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 and the uh, and white and so on. And they become uh, partisan. So we have to resist it. At the time of the Prophet um, one Muslim, it is said that he was a hypocrite, he stole something, and then he threw it in the house of, of, of a Jewish person. And some Muslims went and bore witness that it was the Jew who did the stealing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet 12 ayahs of the Quran on this occasion. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, told the Prophet that the Jewish person was innocent. And it was this um, uh, person, um, or the uh, hypocrite or not, uh, who did uh, the, the stealing. So we have to train ourselves uh, to, and to behave in this way and not to be uh, partisan at all. Uh, there are many other uh, issues, but uh, uh, I think I stop at that. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So now we open the floor to questions and answers, inshallah. So if your brothers want to forward their questions. So the first question is, 
And at this conference, the people that you are addressing are those who are abiding by their religious duties. There are thousands of people who pay no attention to their religion at all, and they are not here. Please tell us what we can do to call these people towards Islam. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We know that uh, throughout the ages, there was never a time when all the people, you can see, they all practicing, except for the first generation of Islam. So the best way which the Prophet has advised, that every person who hears something good, even if it is one ayah of Al-Quran, he should try to convey it to the others. And uh, sometimes the person who has been conveyed become a better uh, so that is the way whatever good uh, you receive you learn in this conference try to convey it to the other people now with all these modern devices you got cassettes you got tapes you got uh, uh, an internet as well this program so you can uh, introduce it to the other to your friends who did not attend and that is how you can propagate the good word everywhere inshallah Question to Sheikh Jafar Idris. Uh, now that Jimas is established as an organization, how do you intend to unite the Muslims from here? Should we not establish dialogues between other organizations to increase unity? For example, some of the Sufi groups. Yes, I, yes, I can hear some people laughing. Uh, uh, you see, if the individual or the organization if, if it is judged to be Muslim, then you cooperate with them. You don't cooperate with them in doing the things uh, which are yani, evil or wrong or so. But if they want to do something uh, that is good for the Muslims, you cooperate with them. In fact, you can cooperate even with non-Muslims, let alone Muslims. If uh, non-Muslims ask you to cooperate with them, to do something which is from your Islamic point of view, which is good, then in fact they will be helping you uh, to do the thing which you are required to do anyway. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, This is the criteria. And I would like to say also on this occasion, that uh, when the Prophet said that the ummah will be divided, he was speaking about Muslims who will ultimately go to paradise. So even the, the, the 72 deviant groups ultimately go to paradise because these are Muslims. They, are, they deviated. They might be punished in hellfire. But because they are Muslims, they ultimately go to paradise. So even if someone belongs to any of these deviant groups, you must treat them as Muslims. Of course, some of the groups uh, are not considered um, Islamic at all. Uh, they went out of the fold of Islam. Uh, but uh, the 72 groups, so even if the deviation is on matter of, of aqidah, but does not reach the extent of ta uh, taking the person outside the fold of Islam, still the person is Muslim. So please don't think 
as uh, some brothers do, that the Muslims are only those who might be called Salafis or um, the people who follow, yani, strict in following the Sunnah of the Prophet Yes, these are the best people, and they are described by the Prophet to be al-firqa nadia, uh, the saved people. But of course, the Prophet was not talking about societies. Hmm? And on the Day of Judgment, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will not say, oh, "You group of Salafis go to paradise." No. Everyone will <laughs> come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as an individual. So some individuals will be here, some of them in Pakistan, I hope, and <laughs> some, uh, some, in, uh, some in Africa, some... Um, these are the, uh, the people who, who follow the way of the Prophet and where they are. A question to Sheikh Suhaib. A lot of questions regarding uh, usury and interest. Uh, is a Muslim allowed to take uh, interest? Is he allowed to take mortgages in this country? And uh, uh, specific questions regarding those people working in banks in this country. Uh, some of the Jews, they hold this opinion which is based upon a statement or author by a reporter from Makhul, who is a successor, that la riba bain al-harbiyi wal-muslim. There is no riba as long as the dealing is between a Muslim and a person who is living in Darul Harb. Uh, and on that, on that evidence, they have allowed to take usury or to deal in any any contract based upon interest or usury in Darul Harb. First of all, it came in India during the British Empire and uh, in, even in South Africa, some people, they have quoted the statement. And now, uh, our brothers who are getting richer and richer in this country, they want such a statement to become more richer. But we say that uh, this Asar, that is Munqati, it got no valid Isnad at all. And again, even if you take it, it means that there is no riba <coughs> between a Muslim and a person who is living in Darul Harb where there is actually a war between the Muslims and the non-Muslims. For example, uh, in Chechenia, for example, if uh, a Chechenian comes to his uh, opponents or his enemy's country and he deals in such a matter and then he comes back immediately, that is a situation which is discussed in this hadith. It does not mean that you come to a country with a passport and visa, which is uh, a type of contract that you are entering this country and you are uh, honoring their, uh, their laws, and then you stay here. Then you stay here and still you are dealing in usury. That is totally un understandable from this hadith. So this is why we say that there is no question, there is no question that you deal in usury or you buy houses on, uh, on interest. That is a fiqh issue, that if a person is forced into such a position that he got no house at all, there is no roof to, to shelter him, and he got no other way to, ha to have a house except uh, for buying a house and mortgage, that is a totally uh, extreme situation. And every person got uh, his own circumstances in which 
such thing could be allowed. But as a general uh, practice to deal in usury interest that is haram. And if there is any money which is uh, acquired out of interest, the best use for that money is to get rid of it by giving it to uh, a very poor Muslim uh, who is in such a state where haram becomes halal for him. For example, in, uh, in our in our back home, there would be many cases of poverty where people don't even find uh, food to eat. We, we hear cases where a person, where, where a woman with her children is jumping into the well, committing suicide. Why? Because there is no food at home. So if that is the case there, then uh, this type of money, you don't leave it in the bank. If there is any interest, don't leave it in the bank. You can send it to such people. But it is not halal for you. It is not halal in any case for you. May I add something? And, and, and I want Muslims to think in a, in a more positive way. See, this is an issue on which all Muslims, Sufis and otherwise, can cooperate. Anyone who believes that riba uh, is haram, so yani, if Muslims could cooperate and united at least on some issues, they can have their own banks or um, any yani, um, economic institutions or whatever, and they can solve this problem. But if you assume that you will live forever and uh, this um, yani kind of, um, of, of, of situation, and then you try to find excuses for yourself, uh, and, and, and very weak ones. You say this Dar al Harb. Someone told me, uh, phoned me, and, I said, uh, and he said that Alim so and so said, This is Dar al Harb. And I said, uh, So she, she was a sister. So I said, Sister, why do you want to, um, at, uh, to buy a house in Dar al Harb? You don't live in Dar al-Harb. You say you are at war with them and you want to live among them. There is a contradiction in this. And one brother told me also that in the Hanafi madhab, the justification is given that the wealth of the people of Dar al-Harb is yours anyway. So if someone from Dar al-Harb gives you interest, you take it because this is your money anyway. But now the brothers are telling us to do the second, I mean the opposite. They are telling Muslims to give the Dar al-Har people money. So this is just the opposite of what uh, 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 Abu Hanifa and some uh, Fuqaha meant. Uh, question, many questions, Sheikh Jafar Idris. Regarding the Islamic State, how do we establish the Islamic State? Uh, how should the Amir be governed and how should he be appointed on the Islamic State? Mm. And is there an Islamic State currently in the world today? No. See, brothers, I wanted you to be concerned with your own, um, with your own organization. I mean, you are here, you will not, uh, in, in, the short, uh, in the short time, make an Islamic State in the United Kingdom. Leave this for us. This is our headache. We, we, we will, inshallah, try to establish Islamic states um, uh, in other uh, parts of the world. Here, I would like you to be concerned with your own problems. And the first problem is, as, as I said, if, alhamdulillah, you are all practicing Muslims, I want to serve the cause of Islam, 
and uh, you have your own organizations. So start by making these organizations properly Islamic. And I can tell you from our experience that we formed organizations which were not as organizations Islamic. Their purpose was Islamic, but the, but, but the organizational principles uh, were borrowed from, uh, from, uh, uh, from the West. I once made a lecture in the Sudan in which I said that the nearest two uh, parties uh, to each other organization-wise were the Islamic Party and the Communist Party. And it was us who borrowed from the Communists. We, we only changed the names. They call him President of the, of the Communist Party, we call him Amir. They call it Central um, uh, 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 Committee, we call it Shura. Uh, we, uh, we borrowed everything from them. So the organization was not Islamic as an organization, but, um, uh, but it was meant to serve Islamic goals. And you can't do this, because the organization has to be uh, suitable to the goal uh, which it is supposed to, uh, to achieve. I mean, you can't run a university on, 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 on a military kind of organization. And on the other hand, you can't uh, uh, give your military uh, uh, the organization of a philosophical society. Uh, so, so the organization has to be suitable to the goal. Uh, for it. How do we uh, establish Islamic states? There are many ways. One of them is to make a coup, if you can. Yes. Yeah. Yes, this is what uh, we did in the Sudan. And, and, and I was one of the people who advocated this before and who justified it as, after it happened. And some, uh, uh, some uh, so-called Salafi brothers said, no, you can't do this because this is not the way of the Prophet. What is the way of the Prophet? He said, you first make hijrah, uh, as the Prophet ﷺ did, and then you do this. I said, but the Prophet ﷺ made hijrah because that was a non-Muslim society. And the Muslims were only 300. This is an Islamic society. The British came and by force made it secular. So every time some kafir comes and take over the government, I make hijrah and leave my country? No. I try as much as I can to, uh, to go back to the original thing that this is an Islamic, this is an Islamic country. And as Islamic country, should have an uh, Islamic state. Some people say, you can't do this only by elections. So what if the, uh, the non-Islamic government is military? What do I do? How do I change it into a democratic uh, uh, country? So, so I think the door is open. Do whatever you can to change this situation into an Islamic one by coup and popular uprising, uh, uh, conspiracy with another Muslim country. <laughs> if there's an Islamic country somewhere, and yes, you ask them to help you, give you money and weapons, and then you, there are many ways. So don't, uh, 
يعني confine yourself to be to just one way. So I hope I will be يعني allowed to leave the country safely. So Sheikh Sahib, questions regarding working in this country, for example, police officers, solicitors, and government officials. Because we no longer take oath to Lord Mountbatten, but we take oath to Elizabeth Mountbatten. So what is your stance regarding this? And do we need a Muslim Prime Minister in this country? Do we what? That's not a joke. If you can, of course. If you can have a Muslim Prime Minister, alhamdulillah. We will all migrate to the United Kingdom. Now you should know that uh, every every imam and priest in this country is known as minister. So there are so many ministers. I am a minister as well. Uh, you just need a prime one. Uh, you can you can easily find a prime one. Uh, you are saying about uh, did you say about police and this and that? Uh, uh, taking an oath. Huh? Uh, Anyhow, this uh, uh, the brother is bringing very delicate questions to me, so I'm sorry for that. Huh? Even if you have to take uh, the citizenship of this country, you have to take an oath as well to be loyal to this country, and that is known to everybody. So it depends upon your near, upon your near that uh, as long as you live in this country, of course you are going to abide by the laws of this country. But you remember also la ta'ata li makhlukin fi masiyat al there is no obedience for any creature if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is disobeyed. So you must have in your niyyah and your intention that yes, I am going to abide by the law of this country, but if there is any law which is against sharia, I am not going to abide by it. That must be very clear in your mind. So inshallah, because in amalu bin niyat, the actions are judged by your intentions. If that is your intention, inshallah, you would not be uh, answerable for, uh, for this. Yani, I hope so. This is what I can say. May, may, add, may, may yes. add also something. Um, I always advise the brothers, if you are citizens of a certain country and you are Muslims, please don't consider yourself, yourselves aliens. Don't live on the periphery of society. Be concerned with the problems of the, of the country and let the people feel that you care for them and that you want to solve their problems. Because this, way, the way, this was the way of the prophets. And you know, a prophet came to uh, his people and, and, and started by saying, you are my enemies and, 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 and I have nothing to do with you. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called every prophet uh, the brother of so-and-so. He called them... Uh, uh, and every prophet came and, and not, he was not only uh, he did not only have the feeling but he showed them this that I care for you I want to, to save you from uh, hellfire I want to solve your problems and I don't want any reward from you my reward is only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if you adopt this kind of, uh, of attitude and, 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 and be concerned really with all the problems of the country, whether they are practical, moral, um, intellectual, or so, be concerned with them and give uh, Islamic solutions uh, to these uh, problems. Uh, last question each, inshallah. Sheikh Jafar, um, many people are asking regarding various Islamic groups and movements. 
basically you can sum this up what is the criteria to judge which group is working according to the Quran and Sunnah uh, I mean you have the Quran and the Sunnah see so <laughs> to what extent the group is uh, this is like also saying um, is there an Islamic state uh, and my usual answer is uh, states live, uh, mean, differ in their, in their degree of Islamicity. Some, some, some states are nearer to Islam than others. Uh, uh, so I cannot say this is a hundred percent um, uh, Islamic state, or uh, about some of them perhaps I can say they are ten percent, five percent Islamic, but uh, about others I can say forty or so. Uh, uh, so the same might apply to the groups, to the Muslim uh, groups. Uh, Sheikh Bin Baz, I heard him once saying um, that Muslims, uh, sh uh, it is obligatory on Muslims uh, to have a jama'ah. And then someone said, but uh, what if, uh, uh, if I am living in a country in which there is no jama'ah? So he said, uh, make your own jama'ah. And he gave the example of the United States. He said, if you Muslims are living in the United States, then if the Muslims there have a jama'ah, then join that jama'ah and be a member of it. Someone said, what if there are more than one jama'ah? He said, join the one that is nearer uh, to the uh, Quran and, and, uh, and the Sunnah. Uh, and so on. So uh, the principle is that you do your best. You do your best. You join the jama'ah that you think is nearer to the Quran and the Sunnah than other jama'ahs. Don't say to yourself, because this jama'ah is not 100% uh, uh, following the Kitab and Sunnah, I will live alone. That is the worst thing they can do. The Prophet said, إِنَّمَا يَأْكُلُ الذِّئْبُ مِنَ الْغَنَمِ الْقَاسِيَةِ The wolf eats the stray sheep. So please don't be stray sheep because there are many wolves around. This is the last question, inshallah. Uh, we see that many Muslim youth in this country are suffering from uh, drug abuse and uh, alcohol addiction. And it is a shameful state. And what is our approach to remove these young people from these problems? Among the many ways uh, to correct a society, as you know, there is uh, one thing is da'wah. Uh, da'wah to propagate the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, this is how the people are converted to a certain thought. And then when they are convinced of that, they try to abide by it. And the second way is uh, by a good company. So when you have a very good company, that company which encourages you to attend the prayer, to read good books, uh, to recite Al-Quran, and to, to attend such, uh, such gatherings. And wherever there is uh, Islamic work going on, they try to help and uh, strengthen it. That is another way. So I would always say that those people who are involved in drugs and such things, uh, instead of saying that they should go to the, uh, to the psychiatrist, and try to uh, have treatment from them. I would say that try to develop a friendship with such people and uh, by a good friendship you can impress them and you can return back, return them back to the right path of Islam. But uh, be careful 
instead of uh, you bringing him to a good line, they must not take you to, to their line. That is very dangerous. Huh? This is what I can say. Sallallahu ta'ala ala Muhammad So we thank uh, both speakers for enlightening us with their comments, inshallah. There'll be a break for half an hour, and then there'll be three seminars going on. And over here, there'll be a panel, especially for the questions for the brothers. So we apologize, we can't answer all the questions that have been asked. And you may take your break now, inshallah.